Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome to Hawks Insiders uh, post-game recap podcast. It is Hawthorne 15-8-98 defeating their bunnies, the Brisbane Lions, 11-7-73, the MCG. In front of about 35,000 fans, Danny Prince, who will be joining us in a sec, will note that I've accurately picked the crowd half an hour before the game, 15 minutes before the game, at halftime, and then voila, onto the scoreboard came 35,000 people. This is a bonus podcast because you're getting four of us. I had to beat them off the stick. I said they should duel for it, but they all just said, can we please, please, please all come on. So it is a bonus four of us tonight. So I'm joined by Danny Prince, Andrew Weiss, and Darren Levine, all want to bask in the glory of what was one of Hawthorne's best wins for a considerable period of time. Certainly the best win, I think, of the Sam Mitchell era as they bullied and muscles and eventually overran a premiership contender at the MCG to show that the rebuild is tracking nicely. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Ash, and I will jump in early and confirm your uh, prediction on the crowd was spot on. Um, and Better than my prediction in. for the result, didn't I? Because you and I exchanged messages in the lead up yeah. and we both weren't confident at all. We were nervous. We were nervous. Um, and the three goals before halftime had me even more nervous. Um, not going to lie, I, I think we, we had a chat at halftime, said this could go either way here. Who knows what happens? Turns out it went in our favour, so that was good. But, yeah, great day out at the footy today. Um, those are the ones you live for, aren't they? Yeah, great day for you, uh, Andrew West, even though you didn't sit with me and Brad and Danny in the MCC Holy of Holies today. And and uh, Darren was out for lunch somewhere. Where did you go for lunch? Um, this great new cafe um, in McKinnon called Willem um, that my wife booked. It was a rare opportunity for us to go out for lunch, and um, she – just made that cardinal error of not checking the schedule, but I, I watched it on replay and it was terrific. Um, yep. And I and I wasn't nervous because Brisbane's had a terrible record at the G for the past twelve games in Hawth and a terrible record against Hawthorne. So uh, the WhatsApp record will show that I predicted a Hawthorne win. Well, actually, both you and Weesey predicted a, a Hawthorne win, and and I just put that out there. I did not. So fair play to you, gentlemen. And I'd like to apologise for not joining you in the MCC members. I just felt that... You weren't invited. Well, no, I just felt that, A, if the Mexican wave got going, you know, like I'm a, I'm, I'm a man of the people. Uh, I wanted to sit with, you know, the general members, the general fan base and um, just see what it was like with my you know, my brethren next to me. So um, a bit of un MCC member like behavior when uh, Sicily and McCluggage had the incident, weren't they, Danny? The bloke sitting a couple of rows in front of us, he was, uh, he, he was, was teeing off. He was teeing off a bit of invective going on. So he also left five and four at the end too, which was sweet. That Let's was get nice. into it. I will be here forever. Um, Hawthorne, as I said, 15, 8, 98 defeated Brisbane, 11, 7, 73, down by 17 points at halftime. Dominated the second half. I think it was 11 or 12 goals to three or something like that after. Well, yeah, I think it was 12 goals to three after half time. So a mighty effort. Uh, the disposals were 426, 324 in Hawthorne's favour. Kicks 215, 208. Handballs 211 to 116. 62 inside 50s to 46. 
Um, disposal efficiency, 78 to 72 uh, Hawthorne's way. Uh, Brisbane more efficient inside 50, 46% as opposed to 39. Free kicks that were 16 to 20 at one side. Someone noted that Brisbane went, got one run 10 in a row, which uh, started to get a bit frustrating. Hawthorne who do you reckon, who do you reckon uh, put that out there? It wouldn't have been me, no. The umpire's friend, Andrew Weiss. Clearances were 27-47 Brisbane's favour. So Hawthorne had a great win without its uh, late its its recent clearance domination. It was 14-11 out of the middle, though, but 13-36 Brisbane's favourite stoppages. Contested possessions, Hawthorne 137 to 124. Uh turnovers 58 to Hawthorne, 77 to Brisbane. Um Marks inside 50, 12, 10, Brisbane's favourite. General Mark, Hawthorne, 110 to 90. Contested Marks, 12, 11. Intercept Marks, 77, 59. Hawthorne's in front for 54 minutes and 57 seconds of the game. We are going to do this our usual way with the players as I call up um, the Hawthorne stats on the trusty iPad. We're just not going to have a set order this time. I'm sure you've all got players you want to talk about. If you don't, I will direct them to you. So we will start with, um, as we go, in numerical order, as always, number two for Hawthorne was Mitch Lewis. Um, and he had, um, yeah, he, well, he had kicked four goals. If someone could call these stats, that'd be great because my iPad has uh, done a wobbly again. So if someone wants to read the rest of his stats, if they've got them up and start the conversation. Yeah, he uh, finished the game with 11 disposals, nine kicks, two handballs, took six marks, um, spent 90% of the game on the ground, seven score involvements, went at 63.6% disposal efficiency. Um, and yeah, is everything that we've needed and wanted from a spearhead forward for quite some time. And, you know, we've talked about the fact that you build a forward line, you build a team against someone as elite as he is, as your spearhead. Um, my pick of the goals was his left foot snap, Giant Newcomb, um, with a beautiful balk in the middle, uh, I think the ball bounced just in front of Lloyd Meek uh, and Mitch picked it up, snapped it on his left and and uh, sailed through. And, you know, he's kicked four. At one point, I turned around to my mate and said, I just can't wait for him to play a full season because he'll, he'll be kicking 60 to 80 goals a year with his eyes closed if he plays a full season. He'll, he'll go close to kicking what, 30 to 40 this year as it is. He's kicking three or four every week. So really good effort, absolutely um, critical in terms of the structure of our forward line. I gave him an eight out of 10 today. He is in the discussion now. For, he's, he's in the top 10 key forwards in the league. Some say he's trending towards the top five, but um, that's a conversation we might pick up another time. John Newcomb, 28 disposals, 14 and 14, five marks, four tackles. Uh, he has uh, 71% disposal efficiency, 28 disposals, 12 contested possessions. He had two turnovers, five intercept possessions, 11 score involvements, three goal assists, quarter to 77 metres gained, 
five center clearances. He had four tackles. He had 22 center bounce attendances. I just want to go through his third quarter because we are going to talk about that. Third quarter alone, 12 disposals, seven kicks, five handballs, four marks, one tackle. Um, 75% disposal efficiency. Um, he had one goal assist. He had um, three center clearances. A fantastic game. Who wants to talk about John? Uh, you better you better believe it's <laughs> going to be me. <laughs> um, a, a quiet, quiet first half by Jai Standers, although he did have eight in the second quarter. So he had he had what thirteen um, to half time, but that third quarter was a thing of beauty and one of the best single quarters I've seen in a long time by a Hawthorne player. He summed up the situation at halftime and came in and said, boys, get on my shoulders. I'm going to, I'll carry you. I'll carry you where you need to go. He was unbelievable. Whether it was in the coal face, winning the clearance, like you said, he had three clearances for the quarter, whether it was delivering the ball into a forward 50 and setting up attacks or goals, whether it was sweeping up around the back, the man was everywhere in that third quarter. And a lot of the hard work that the Hawks did to get back in front and, and sort of wrestle control of the game was done by John Newcomb in that third quarter. So uh, for me, I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. And for the third quarter alone, shout out to Whitey, who said we should just rate him for his third quarter. But for the third quarter alone and for the rest of the game as a whole, I give him an eight as well. And I thought he was phenomenal and proved that he is one of the best young players, best young midfielders in the competition. I'd give him a nine. I thought his third quarter was so influential. We've done this before. Don't influence uh, people's ratings, please, Ash. I'm going to go. I'm uh, going to well, stick with the eight. eight. It's, in the, it's in the books now, but I would give him a nine. I thought that first, that third quarter was as uh, I mean, Sicily's game against uh, St Kilda was immense, and that's probably the best individual performance by Hawthorne player for the year. But I'm not sure there's been a better quarter no, by Hawthorne player this year than that's true. Third quarter today from. Uh, John Newcomb, I made the point in the uh, observations piece on the wrap that will also be on Hawks and Silas tomorrow. Lee Matthews would have been a bit conflicted today, being a Hawthorne legend, but a Lions director. But he 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 signed off on Newcomb wing number three, and he's in the 3W commentary box today. I suspect he would have been very secretly proud of the player wearing his jumper. Number four, Jarman Impey, 28 disposals, 15 and 13, 12 marks, five tackles, uh, 79% defensive half, as we know, 86% disposal efficiency. Um, he had three turnovers, five intercept possessions. He had four score involvements. All these marks were uncontested, 342 metres gained, um, five tackles, as we said, Four rebound, three inside fifties, four rebound fifties. The man is in the richest vein of form since he's been at Hawthorne. Another excellent game today uh, from him. I guess I should jump in here because I feel like I talk about Charles every single week, but um, arguably our most consistent performer this year, I would say. Um, he's in a rich vein of form and dare I say it, the form that he was in before he had that terrible knee injury. So players often don't get back to, to that peak, especially sort of uh, heading towards 30, but Jars has really wound back the clock and as terrific as Jai's third quarter was, Jars had 10 touches and was everywhere as well. Took a really important mark 
um, I think in the, in, in the third quarter and just uh, kept launching us forward um, from the back. And yeah, he's, he's just continuing on and having a terrific year. So going to give him a seven. James Warple, number five for Hawthorne, 30 disposals, 14 and 16, one mark, three tackles. He had 63% disposal efficiency, eight contested possessions. He had six turnovers, which is sort of par for course for him. Five score involvements, 382 metres gained, three tackles, four inside 50s. He had uh, 18 centre bounce attendances. Another player who is in really good form. Always a bit of heart and mouth stuff when he gets the ball. But he's getting it so often these days, gentlemen, that uh, we should, perhaps shouldn't be too, too alarmed, too concerned. That's the thing. I feel like if he's having four or five turnovers or a few clangers a game, when he's only having 21, 22, 23 touches, you feel it a bit more, but you know, he's, he's getting 30 there or thereabouts every single week. What I'm loving, what I'm really loving about him this year is I reckon of that entire midfield unit, he's the most consistent through games of football. So he doesn't go missing for one or two quarters. He's getting his six or seven touches every single quarter, every single game. So um, I thought he did really well. He led the way with our um, pressure acts as well. I think 20 was a team high. Um, and yeah, it's amazing that our midfield unit continues to be what drives, um, what you know, what is driving this success, we've talked at times about issues with our back line, issues with our forward line and things we need to address. It's very rare this season that we've talked about issues with our midfield and they just continue to chug along. Warps is one of the main reasons for that. So uh, I thought he had a pretty good day without being exceptional. I gave him a seven and a half out of 10. He just makes everything tick in that midfield unit, Warps. And does all the dirty work. He was he was just in and under the whole game. You know, he turns it over at times, but he's constantly under pressure. And I, I'll keep defending him on the disposal efficiency stat because I think if you look at, um, if you weight up against the other midfielders who do a similar role in the comp, some of the best ones, you'll see their disposal efficiencies around the same area. Number six is another James for Hawthorne. He's the captain of the football club. James Sicily, 32 disposals, 23 and 9, 12 marks, one tackle, 87% defensive half as we expect. 11 contested possessions. He had five turnovers, 10 intercept possessions, eight score involvements. Um, he had two of his 12 marks were contested, 478 metres gained, um, seven rebound 50s. Interesting, three free kicks for none against. Um, a, a great game from the skipper. Yeah, it was. I actually thought he started a little slow. I mean, he got a lot of the ball early, but um, he wasn't he wasn't gloving the intercept marks like he did against St Kilda in his last match two weeks ago, and like he did late in the game. Um, but he, yeah, he seemed a little sort of fumbly or just not quite right. And then there was a couple of dinky, fairly rubbish kicks that put um, his teammates under pressure a couple of times in the first quarter. 
But um, his second half, I thought, was phenomenal and probably, you know, um, was indicative of the uh, dominance that we had. He was he marked a lot more. He marked everything in, that came his way in the second half. Um, his desperation, well, I mean, we'll probably talk about that tackle. Uh, his desperation to make up for a little bit of a fumble there and um, put a tackle in on McCluggage so that the lines didn't get away. Look, he might get suspended for that. Brad's ruled him out for the rest of the season already in our WhatsApp group. But that's a that's a pure football act, and that tackle's actually perfectly executed. So, you know, it probably says more about where the state of the game is and the, you know, the tribunal MRO, you know. But... um. I, I thought I thought his whole game overall was really good. I give him an eight out of ten. I thought his second half was phenomenal. Yeah, I was I was watching the watch several replays of the incident before. Uh, I think I sadly think he's in trouble. I think it's a football act, but I just think the way they're adjudicating these things at the moment, he's going to be in a little bit of trouble. I think, which is. Unfortunate, but I certainly would encourage Hawthorne, unlike every other time this year, to actually Hawthorne go to the tribunal and fight it. So, as long as they can get Carlton's lawyer before they go to the tribunal, not their own. Lionel Hutz better better not be working on Tuesday night. I'm sure sure they'll get uh, Hugh McCluggage to give a uh, a bit of a reference as well, right? Because he was obviously fine to um, to waive the uh, the stretch a vehicle away so that we all had to wait 10 minutes for him to walk around the ground. So it can't have been that bad, right? That we all had to sit and wait and momentum potentially stalled. So, you know, it's actually the worst thing I've written this as well. It's actually played right into Hawthorne's hands. Which you didn't think at the time. No, but actually proves to Hawthorne, and I know this from being sort of in the rooms and talking to people, they thought they were going to, they thought they had superior fitness. They thought they were always going to be better in the, run the game out better than Brisbane did. And that just proved it because all Brisbane were trying to do was stall and have a break and have a rest. And uh, this proves to Hawthorne that we've got them. So interesting ploy by Brisbane and I think it backfired. Okay. Number seven for the Hawks is Ned Noodle Reeves. Uh, seven disposals, one kick, six handballs, uh, five tackles. Um, what are the relevant stats for Ruckman these days? Uh, two score involvements. He had nine pressure acts, 39 metres gained. He had 18 hit outs um, from 15 centre bounce attendances and 50 Ruck contests. Uh I think we could say we'll, we'll get to Lloyd Meek. Lloyd Meek was a better at the Hawthorne big man for the day. Um, who wants to put in a word for Big Noodle? Well, I will. But he, I mean, the one the one moment where I've I've been crying out for Ned Reeves to do all year was that mark that he took in the in the last quarter, the contested mark, and then immediately turned it over. So um, yeah, it's one one mark for the whole game. You, you, it, it, you just want him to do more around the ground. I say it every single week. And as as beautiful as his tap work is and how well that midfield unit is is gelling with with the Reeves and Meek combo, um, you, you just want more from him around the grounds. And it certainly wasn't a, a terrible game. And I think he imposed himself well. And I think as a, as a duo, they worked well together. But 
yeah, just just need more from him um, around the grounds. Wouldn't mind him hitting the scoreboard like he used to. I don't know what happened to that. Um, so yeah, because he's going to get a five and a half for me. Does anyone almost, have a counterpoint? It's almost like they both can't play well in the same game. One will play well, and the other one will play. Like it was Meek's day today. Wasn't really Reeves' day, but next week or to whenever they play next, it could well be the other other way around. I reckon. I reckon Meek's um, sneakily building a, a fairly solid patch of form at the moment. He's. I think he's leaving Reeves in his dust. To be honest, I mean Reeves gives the centre um, bounce uh, midfield unit um, first use of it more often than not. He's a very good tap ruckman at the centre bounce. Not as good in the stoppage around the ground, and he gives literally nothing when he's uh, around the ground as a moving target. Meek is a far more mobile, gets his hands on it a fair bit more. We're, we're seeing from Meek that he's, his marking has improved dramatically from the start of the season, um, taking a couple of contested marks and, yeah, just getting involved. He kicked a goal today as well, um, asserted himself dominantly. He's asserted his dominance a lot more. I'm I'm a little worried, <clears throat> not necessarily for right now. I mean, unless if he stays injury free, he plays Reeves plays the rest of the year. But if if we're looking at long term, you want to get a secondary ruckman in who can actually impact as a forward. I see that person being Max Ramsden on our Lynch on our list, not Lynch, R.I.P. Max Lynch. Um, but if you're looking at who's going to partner Max Ramsden long-term right now, I'd, I would say that Lloyd Meek is comfortably, comfortably ahead of Ned Reeves as that number one ruck option. Number 10, Hawthorne, Carl Amon, 20 disposal, 13 kicks, seven handballs, three marks and a tackle, 75% disposal efficiency, eight contested possessions, uh, four turnovers, six intercept possessions, one goal assist, five score involvements. 275 metres gained. Um, who wants to talk about Carl Amon? Weezy. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really good example of Carl Amon, when we're up and about, doesn't have to have 30 possessions. It doesn't have to be our best player. And, you know, he can run up and down the wing and he can get his 20 and he can have, have an effect. Now he... He did a couple of things turning the ball over today that were um, not ideal. I think there was the the handball intercept that came all the way back and uh, eventuated in a goal. But again, there were yeah, one right in front of us. Yeah, oh, it was it was such a shame because it literally was a two goal turnaround. But do you know what? At the same time, there are one or two moments where he puts the ball lace out. I think there was one to Mitch Lewis, and you know he just he just turns onto that left and and balances and puts it exactly where he wants it. And I think I said in our group earlier today, like he's he's the best field kick in our team. I think, like he's really. His I think Newcomb might be well. Well, Newcomb today was incredible, and this year he's been amazing. I mean, it was clearly one of the bigger knocks on Nukes coming into this season, right? In terms of his ability to hit a target by foot every time. But um, Amon's got that silk factor, and 
I think this is his role. Like he just needs to have the 20 running up and down the wing. Um, It wasn't his best game, but it was enough for me to give him a six out of 10. Number 11 for Hawthorne is Connor Nash. For those of you who missed the podcast, we had a bit of a chat to him post-game, and here's what he, here is what he had to say. Well, firstly, Connor, welcome to Hawks Insiders. Congratulations on a great win today. Oh, thanks very much. Uh, that was a very spirited win. Uh, we knew we had to just be in at halftime because we, we knew our run and our carry in the legs, the, the youthful legs, would, uh, youthful legs would get us over the line. You had that terrible 90 seconds before the end of the second half. What did Sam say at halftime? He said, look, we're, we're, we're our own worst enemies there. So we knew that we were close. Um, so we just have to stick fat, which we did. We got a great start in the third quarter, I think. And then we just bounced from there. So, uh, yeah, we, we, there was nothing major to change. It was just open up the field and, and run. So, well, tell us about John Newcomb's third quarter. You had to watch it close. He twelve possession, absolutely dominated. Got you guys back in it. Yeah, he did. He's phenomenal. Like he, he just grabs. He's one of those guys who just grabs the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, clearance is out in the middle. Uh, it's just a unit. So, love playing with him in there. And he's yeah, he's a great player. What was your brief today? My brief for the game, yeah, probably to play Lockie a bit. Neil. Yeah, Lockie Neal, and then Dunkley maybe in the second half. So. Um, yeah, it was try to stick on them and stoppage and, and then yeah, get forward and, and spread from contest to contest. So, How exciting the last few weeks been as it started to come together? Yeah, no, it's been brilliant. We knew, like, we're, I don't know how many how many wins we got. We got Three four. out of four now. Yeah, yeah, so, but we knew that, like, there was other games we should have picked up, Adelaide game, GWS game, you pick those two up and it looks a lot better. So we, we know we're on a process and we've each week we've played a better opponent. We couldn't get it done against Port Adelaide last week. Brisbane are the same top four team and we're able to get it done today. So, What do you put your improvement down? You've had a fantastic six or so weeks. What do you put it down to? I think it's just, yeah, belief from coaches, uh, belief from teammates, and then belief from myself. It's just been, yeah, getting back to what I'm, I'm, I'm used to and I'm being a, a bigger presence in this topic. So, um, and what about the team? What do you put the improvement down to? I think it's just boys uh, realising what they're good at, what, what strengths they bring to the team. If you run, you run. If it's your kicking, you're banging kicks. And We know our game style is to open up the ground. So, um, yeah, we're going to keep doing that and, and it'll come right. It's coming right in stages. Just a few more. Who, uh, who'd be leading the Peter Crimmins medal right now? Oh, I don't know, yeah. There's a fair, there's a fair few candidates. Uh, probably put my money on Joy. Um, he's having a phenomenal season again. So, yeah, not sure. And what are most improved? I, I don't know. I don't know. Might be you. Oh, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe. But um, I'm happy, yeah, things are coming together and just keep, keep, keep sticking to it and, and uh, keep playing my role each week. So what's a goal to rest? You have a buy now, you reset. What What's achievable for the rest of the season? What do you want to get out of it now? Yeah, it's just to keep building it. We're not going to look at win-losses, and, and I know a lot of fans probably will, but for us it's just to build on our performance each week against the good sides and getting it done on big stages. Uh, we haven't been able to handle our, the away crowd, so that'll be a big big one for us. We can't handle the hostile crowds of Sydney and, and, and um, Adelaide against Port, so we're going to look to... Look, Look at that area as an improvement for the second half. A week off, what are you going to do for your bye week? Oh, there's a few of us heading down to Barnboogle to play golf. Of course, um, look after the sponsor. Yeah, look after the sponsor. No, but Richie Sattler down there has been phenomenal. So uh, there's about eight of us heading down, including Sis. So he lo- he's just getting back down to Tassie. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. We'll enjoy the break. Terrific. Well, thanks for joining us and good luck for the rest of the season. Cheers. Thanks very much, Ash. That was a friend of Hawks Insiders, Connor Nash, speaking to us post-game after another great game, 25 disposals, 11 kicks, 14 handballs, 6 marks, 6 tackles. 
He had uh, six contested possessions. He had um, three turnovers, four intercept possessions. He had 192 metres gained. Um, he had three inside 50s, one rebound 50. And for a good chunk of the game, he had the scalp of Lockie Neal, Danny. Yeah, he did. Um, and listening to the fantastic interview by you, um, Ashley, he actually talked about going on to Josh Dunkley, who was clearly uh, the Lions' best player post-half uh, time. So um, he's he's given a role week in, week out um, to work hard defensively. But I thought he was involved in a lot of our good stuff as well. And I, I don't know, he with Connor, I was – Chatting on the way back home, I went with Nat Martin, um, who's uh, who's jumped in on a couple of uh, Twitter spaces and helped us out here before, friend of the program. Um, and on the way back home, we were just talking about the ascend, the ascent of Connor Nash from um, you know two years ago to where he is now. Not a single person, not even Sam Mitchell, would have picked this level of consistent performance. And um, and I think you were spot on, Ash. You, you said to him in in your interview, you know, that he's he's looking at most improved. And it, and if it's not him, um, he's right up there. He, he his his level of performance is is incredible, and he's a solid, very vital part of our midfield unit. Again, he didn't get a clearance today. He normally does. Um, but his ability to uh, be a link in the chain, he's a hard runner. He's a hundred. He's a huge human being, 198 centimeters. Um, you know, he just plays multiple roles for that midfield unit and, um, and does them all very, very well. Uh, did you give him ranking? Did I miss it? I didn't. I, that was my best Darren Levine impersonation, but um, <laughs> I'm going to give him a seven out of 10. Uh, he was good. He was really good today. Um, remarkable transformation. Um, we all thought, we all assumed that by now that uh, Cooper Stevens would be that tallish midfielder in the Hawthorne side, but he has not had a look in. Number 12, Will Day, friend of the uh, pod and hopefully joining us again very, very soon here at Hawks Insiders. 27 disposals, 13, 14, eight marks, two tackles, um, 89% disposal efficiency, 15 contested possessions, six turnovers, five intercept possessions, five score involvements, um, one contested mark, 306 metres gained, um, 17 centre-bounce sentences. By the way, Connacht had 22 of those centre-bounce sentences. Didn't read that figure out. Left the ground in the first quarter with uh, what looked to be a shoulder injury. The, all the reports that he'd been carrying a rib injury the last few years. Uh, grave fears were held when he went off the ground, although it didn't lead to McKenzie warming up anytime soon. Day went back out there and was terrific. Darren. I feel I need to do this one because a few weeks ago, I controversially gave him a six and a half and um, was... You got right. one more chance, buddy. One more chance. <laughs> so it's another six and a half for Will. No, he was um he was elite. <laughs> he was absolutely elite. And a thing I love about him is he's got this beautiful turn that gets him out of so many tricky spots. And once you see it, you'll you'll never be able to unsee it. He he's it's become a very important tool in his arsenal of tricks. And um he's an extremely evasive player. And I think the thing I like too is he's uh, adding a bit uh, a sense of durability 
uh, to his body and maybe that shoulder injury. Yeah, 12 months ago, he does not come back on the ground. He doesn't come back on the ground and he misses four weeks. So that durability in his body and I, I think he spoke about, um, you know, Burge's impact on 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 his strengthening and his own his own sort of um, assessment of his training methods and how much harder he works in the preseason. And I think that's why we're seeing him get a consistent run at it. And yeah, I was I I, I thought he was brilliant again today. So it's going to be a eight for Will and eight <laughs> English major. Uh, number 13, Dylan Moore, 25 disposals, 12 and 13, four tackles, five marks, two goals, two, um, 65% offensive half. Um, he had uh, seven contested possessions, 19 run contested. Uh, he had 10 score involvements. He had 277 meters gained, had one clearance. He actually went to a center bounce today. Um, I thought he worked really hard. Um, great goal, the sealer from that from the M10 pocket in the last quarter um, from Dylan Moore. He had a good day at the footy, and I think he started to find some form again, was he? Yeah, it was right behind that. So watched it the whole way. It actually started out to the right, and it it seemed like it wasn't wasn't going to go through. But you had all of the crowd down there in that pocket go up and then his celebration with them was magnificent. Like that was, that was top shelf Dylan Moore celebration, nearly as good, nearly as good as that Mitch Lewis snap celebration uh, or the Cozzy, um, the Cozzy uh, Mark Bresciano. Double uh, cobra. <laughs> uh, the the cosy just stand and uh, put the chest out. Um, Dylan Moore knows that M10, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 is, is that's the hardcore Hawthorne members. I think it's probably where he used to sit when he was a, a fan back in the day. He just knew that's where all the noise and the passion was coming from. All of his mates and family members, that's probably where they were sitting. So they shared a moment. <laughs> but you know, there was one, I mean, there was there was one of his what did he kicked two two. Um, one of them was a typical Dylan Moore snap that you would have thought was going to be a goal that he missed. Um, and he actually, uh, they were gettable. Like He actually could have ended up with three or four. And I think that's coming. Like 25 and two is a very good Dylan Moore day at the office. And he's putting together um, in that, in the three of four wins that we've had, He's been generally really good. So um, I thought he was fantastic today, worked bloody hard. I also gave him an 8 out of 10. Number 14 is Jack Scrimshaw, 19 disposals, 9 and 10, 6 marks, 3 tackles, um, 95% disposal efficiency, uh, 5 contested possessions, 1 turnover, 7 intercept possessions, um, of his six marks, one was contested, t- 218 metres gained, uh, three tackles. Uh, Scrimmers started to show a little bit back to the scrimmage that we have known and loved, a bit more physicality. I thought it was interesting. The one Hawthorne player who I thought struggled after the the Bakayic stoppage, I reckon he, he turned the ball over a couple of times. He was a bit fumbly. 
immediately after the restart, uh, which made me concerned that that malaise might affect the rest of the team. But he found his groove again, and it was actually a really good day for him. What happens uh, in a couple of weeks with Frost back on the side remains to be seen, but it might depend on Sicily's fate as well, I guess. But I thought that was a sign of the Jack Scrimshaw starting to look comfortable at the AFL level again, seemed to have a bit more physicality and urgency about his game. Yeah, look, um, I'm a big Jack Scrimshaw fan. I think he makes us a better football side when he's in it. Um, you know, Lisi wrote a fantastic piece for anybody that hasn't yet read it um, a few weeks ago about, you know, the curious case of Jack Scrimshaw effectively. So, um, and everything about Jack Scrimshaw is what our, what our side needs. He's a good user of the footy. He's very good aerially. He can um, take intercept marks. He zones off his um, opposition player well. Um, he's a really good link in the chain. He's a good runner. Um, clearly they wanted him to work on something. I think maybe the more one-on-one defensive side of his game, uh, making sure his intensity was up. I thought he was really good today. I thought the things that he did that he needed to do, he did well. He wasn't super involved in all of the offensive um, plays. Um, that was left to a few of the other halfbacks like um, Seamus Mitchell. Uh, but I thought uh, I thought Jack was really, really good. And um, yeah, really showed why he's such a vital part of this team. Um, the one turnover that you referenced, Ash, was when he tried to kick the ball with his right foot. Uh, I'd recommend he just sticks to kicking it with his left. Uh, he's much better on that side. Um, but yeah, I, I thought he was really good. And I gave him a seven out of 10. Number 15 is Blake Hardwick, 22 disposal, 16 and six, nine marks, one tackle. 64% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions, uh, six turnovers, six intercept possessions, three score involvements, three, 361 metres gained, two one percenters, four rebound 50s. I believe he might have had the scalp of one Lincoln McCarthy today, Daddy. Yeah, sorry, I didn't think you were going to throw straight back to me. Um, that's fine. <laughs> um, uh, probably not as prepped as I should have been. Um, back yeah, to yeah, back, was, baby. Yeah, here we go. So, no, look, Blake Hardwick did a really good job on Lincoln McCarthy. He had that one goal, McCarthy, from uh, a pickup and snap, which, you know, you can't fault um, Hardwick for. He actually won. Yeah, he, he won that contest pretty comfortably. Um, he always uses the ball really well. I think that's the thing I like about Hardwick coming off. You know what you're going to get with him. You know that he's going to compete um, on the ground, in the air, and when he gets it, he uses it effectively. So um, a, another solid um, Hardwick uh, game, and I'll, I'll go back-to-back sevens for my back-to-back ratings uh, and, yeah, give Blake Hardwick a seven as well. I was just going to say, I, I think it was his best game for the season. Like, I feel okay. like on top of what he did blanketing McCarthy. He was commanding. Like he jumped into contests the way we structured our back line and he would leave his player to get to contests, the way he was used in that sort of pivot role to get the ball coming across the ground to the other side. And, you know, Sis was doing it as well, but he was almost the general today, I thought, in the back line. And really, we talk about how he usually does so well unassumingly. 
I thought he was very, very noticeable and very, very good. So that's just my two cents. Maybe we should have gone to Weesey for that one, Ash. That's all. I uh, I thought you uh, you struck me as a Blake Hardwick sort of man. 16, Hawthorne, Lockie Bramble, 14. Disposal being 7 and 7, two marks. Kicked a behind 50% disposal efficiency. Two contested possessions, two turnovers, two intercept possessions, five score involvements, 239 metres gained. Um, Lockie Bramble is probably in the bottom three or four at the footy club. He's probably playing for his role on the side a lot of weeks. Um, I thought there was a combination of good and bad in his game today. We saw some of his great athletic traits and a bit of his pace. And a couple of boneheaded uh, errors as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. I, look, we were talking about whether any player doesn't get a pass mark. And I think the thing about Bramble that I like is that he he keeps his head up no matter if he makes an error. And I think he he made quite a few. Obviously, that, that bounce was embarrassing um, and he'd, he'd want to have that moment again. But... He would he would do the same thing again, and I think that's what I like about Lockie. He just takes the game on, has a bounce. Um, but I agree, Ash. I think there's a few players that are that are really nipping at his heels. In you know O'Sullivan and McDonald, there's quite a few uh, Bennett's players that kind of fit that profile at Box Hill. Um, that'll probably squeeze him out of the side in the next kind of six to twelve months. Um, and I think he's probably a couple games off going back to Box Hill, I think. Um, which is not which is not to say he's going terribly. I just think there's a lot of players that we have now that 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 could actually end up being a lot better than than Bramble. And then you look at, you know, Harry Morrison having being in that sort of rich vein of form that he's in at, at Box Hill and going back and doing all the right things. And I watched a bit of that game today and he was really clean and and you know, I wonder if Harry kind of comes in for Bramble, um, you know, either next week or the week after. So it wasn't um, – I, I am going to give him a pass mark just because vibes are high. Oh, we see you covering your eyes. I don't think he was that shocking, so I'm going to give him a 5.1. Can I just ask, digress quickly, was there anybody at Box Hill? Playing at the same time as Hawthorne, was there actually one person in the crowd? Oh, yeah. there were. I was watching it on the – um on the app because I was out for lunch. I'm just sneakily watching it. Um, but it looked like there was a bit of a crowd. I think, I think a few people wanted to see Chad. They playing. had, um, they actually, Box Hill actually had their 2013 yeah. reunion for their yeah, premiership yeah, yeah. team. So I think there was a lot of family and friends from the 2013 team there. Right. Okay. Well, therefore it was 50 people there. Um, all right, so yes. Well, the other one's Ward, and Ward also had a lot of the ball today. And I think if you ask Hawthorne supporters who they'd like to see on that other wing, they would like to see Ward. They can't all go inside, but Ward probably has enough traits to go outside, uh, being outside mid in that team. So he's a player I think will be back before too long as Isn't well. Isn't it great that we're just talking about five players that could potentially come in and replace Lockie Bramble? It's just <laughs> depth. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, number 17, Hawthorne, we discussed him briefly. We will now expand on him. His name is Lloyd Meek. 14 disposals, 3 and 11, 4 marks, 2 tackles. He kicked a goal. 
at an important stage of the game. He kicked the goal um, when he's lining up for goal. I was anxious for a stick. Then I realized he went through a, when he was at free hour, he never missed or something. He's actually a very reliable uh, kick for goal. Um, so well done to Big Lloyd, the Lobbus. He had 164 meters gained, 18 hit outs um, from 13 center bounce attendances, 38 ruck contests in all. Uh, we talked about him before. Who wants to pick up the conversation, Weezy? Yeah, I'd love to because I I have been on the Lloyd Meat uh, bandwagon since day one, and he's just getting better and better with each game he played. You obviously mentioned the 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 goal, which was from the ruck infringement uh, that he went back and drilled, but there was also another moment he took a really good mark deep defensively and actually I mean it was it was like watching Ben McAvoy like literally that mark that we needed at that point was big boy-esque and um despite not playing all of the game in the ruck he was the best ruckman on the ground I think he had a close to 50 percent hit out win percentage which was by far more than any of the other rucks, obviously Ned and and McInerney. I think Danaher where was in eleven contests and didn't get a hit out. But um, so obviously talking about the three actual ruckmen, um, and he had two touches and two hit outs to quarter time. So basically everything that you've just read out from a stats point of view was post quarter time. And he clearly finished, as I said, as uh, I thought the best ruckman on the ground. The biggest question will be, Ash, you talked about them not necessarily, we haven't seen them both star in games together. And I always thought with Big Boy that he was always a better ruckman when he could ruck 90% of a game and get that little chop out for one or two minutes at the end of a quarter, but that he was a ruckman, you know, like a Jared Witts. And I kind of get the feeling that Meek is in that mould. Like when when Reeves has been injured and Meek's dominated, having full responsibility, um, or he's looked better taking full responsibility. So... It'll be very interesting to see how they continue to develop the two of them together. Uh, and obviously the key will be making sure one of them can, or both of them can actually not just develop their ruck craft, but be decent forwards. Cause that's going to be the key that you're not wasting the other one on the bench. So I thought he did really well. Uh, I gave him a seven out of 10. The ruck situation is fascinating because you've got um, Max Frampton, of course, who will be more of a forward ruck in the mould of David Hale. And, and then we now have Mother Tucker, who uh, is at the club as well. So he's a, a project player, but, uh, you know, 18 or 19, he's got uh, three or four years to go. I'm not claiming that as original, by the way. I've seen that on a couple of message boards, but uh, it's, it seems to be a very good nickname. So uh, we'll see what happens with him as well. It is a good nickname. But, but I'm yeah. 100% using that one. <laughs> that, that Max Ramsden comments exactly my point that like potentially to complement Meek, you need a 
80% forward that is a really decent ruckman in his own right to then be the one giving him relief, uh, not necessarily a 50-50 ruck combination. So, um, but obviously Ramsden's still so young and fresh that he's potentially still going to take a couple of years before he can fulfill that role anyway. So hopefully we won't see him again AFL level this year because the other two are doing the job and Rams can have another half the season at Box Hill to to get himself going and uh, make sure that 2024 is the year he challenges. Luke Bruce uh, is number 22, had 11 disposals, four and seven, two to mark two tackles, kicked a goal, um, it was a handy goal and a needed goal given he had a chance in the, the, the third quarter that miss. Was it a point or anything? He sort of ran into goal and missed everything and ended up being a 12-point turnaround because I think Brisbane went down the other end and got a goal. And I think it was, well, that was, that was the second right quarter. Before, that was right before halftime when yeah, they yeah. kicked their three in a row. And yeah. um, he was running in on goal and he turned on an angle away from goal, ran towards the boundary line. I think he was in two minds whether he was going to kick a drop punt or kick a snap. And he kicked a drop punt towards the boundary line. They took it up the other end and scored. And then they... I think scored from the next two clearances. I think it hit the bottom of the point post on the full. I've got a feeling it, it, it was, it yeah, was a shocker on the full. He had uh, two turnovers, four intercept possessions. He had three score involvements, 180 meters gained. It was notable at the game that at one stage or for a big part of the game, his opponent was Daniel Rich, who might've been the only player on the ground slower than Luke Bruce. We've noticed that one way to, you know, for, for all his guile and brains and smarts, the way to exploit Bruce is Bruce just put a, a pacey opponent who can run off him. But Brisbane, for reasons best known themselves, chose not to do that. Uh, Darren? Yeah, I reckon Ned Reeves probably a bit slower than, than both of them. <laughs> um, it's probably slower than me. Um, but yeah, it, it, was, it, it was a bit of a dog day for, um, for Brucey. Uh, just that cork he could never really come back from. And um, as you said, that that miss, it was such a beautiful read off the, the pack as well. So it was, it was unfortunate. But um, yeah, it was, he, we're just going to have those games from Luke Bruce. Um, I think I think he's at that age now where you, you can't really expect him to kick a bag every week. And, and he has a lot of credits in the bank. He does too. He's going to have one. He, the pattern for Bruce is one bad game one good game. He's had two good games in a row and he's had a bad game. So um, don't want to be too harsh on him. So I'm going to keep up the good vibes and give him a pass. That miss, by the way, I just want to say, I'm pretty sure from memory, it was an incredible Mitch Lewis tap. It was. Out wide from the contest. And, and Mitch Lewis at the moment, assisting others for shots at goal. You know, that's the other thing I didn't mention earlier, but that that setup play was incredible. Yeah, and you, and we'll get to it later for that for that amazing Butler goal. But that was Mitch Lewis's handiwork there as well in that assist to Butler. And yeah, Bruce nine times out of ten, you'd you'd expect him to to drill that home. So it would have capped off a really good play. I think it was an emotional day for Luke Bruce today. I think playing against Gunston, he's he's great mate. I don't know if any of you would have seen it, but he and 
he did an expansive interview before the game that Gunston and Bruce on the ground with uh, Mark Howard. And uh, I think after the game, they swapped jumpers. So it was you know, obviously quite a coming off the 500 last week. So I think it's been an emotional time for Bruce. He might have been a bit flat, but uh, as I said, so many credits in the bank and he'll come back and torment more teams as he does before the end of the season. Jacob Kaczynski, now this, this stat line's incredible. Six disposals, four kicks, two handballs, three marks, one tackle. And if you stop there, you'll thought, well, he's Cozzy being Cozzy. Then three goals uh, for him. He had four contested possessions. He had uh, three score involvements. He took two marks inside 50. Um, you don't have to get a lot of the football sometimes to have a major effect on the game. Fair play to Cozzy. I was critical of him. I had him half a foot out the door. And he's look at Hawthorne will draw Hawthorne looking to have and will continue to look to replace him, I think, at the next draft or two. Or to find a player of similar ilk. So let's not say that he's you know down for the next 10 years when the number 23 at Hawthorne, but he's worked his way out of the rut, played a great team role, did a lot of the grunt physical work today that allowed Lewis get off the chain. I think you're going to have to contribute to this conversation. I think you're because you're all itching to to have some words about him. But to start with the rating, I'll give it the the, the actual rating will go to you, Danny. And then with the yeah. right of reply to Weesey. I want to uh, see Weesey. Yeah. Going I think, here. I, yeah. I think if it's all right, can I defer to Andrew Weese so he can just, um, I don't know, like no, a have, a, have a little no, bit no, of no, his no, own. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not going to disgrace myself. I'm not going to shame myself. He had a good game. No issues. If he kicks three goals a game, amazing, incredible. I've got no issues with that at all. I will say... Oh, can I? Let me say this. (laughs) No, no. So I'll tell you, until I see it consistently, will I then go, okay, like I'm, I'm wrong with what I'm thinking about him because I still look at that and go, 100%, I preface, if I'm giving him a rating, it's it's high because his role today was incredibly important. If I picked it apart in the life of Cozzy, I go the mark that he took, he was lucky that in the goal square, he happened to be on Connor McKenna. Uh, I'm not quite sure how that happened, but he still took it and he kicked the goal. And, uh, you know, what he does do that I think is really, really important is he kicked the three of them and after them, it gets everybody else around him up, right? So, again, there's no denying how important he was to this game. If he hadn't kicked two of those three goals, and, I mean, he did, but usually he doesn't. But, again, he did. Then you're looking at him and going, what's he contributed? So, 100%, I'm all for whatever rating you're going to give him, Prinzi. I want to see it three out of five weeks, five out of eight weeks to go. He's second fiddle genuinely and belongs in this team next to Mitch Lewis. So I think, Mr. Weiss, um, we are starting to see 
a return of some self-belief with Cozzy. I think, and I, be- think- I think you're right. I think he's starting to think he's, that he belongs. At and you, can, you, you could see that in the goal against St Kilda afterwards. The celebration was huge. But he celebrated every goal today like that St Kilda goal. And I don't reckon we've seen that level of emotion or outpouring of, of feeling from Cozzy since the game in Tassie where he kicked five against the Crows. You know, and you he, know what? He was peacocking to today. He was peacocking today. <laughs> there was further a strut. To that, further to that, I reckon it was it was the set shot to the city end where he took the mark on the lead, and he would have had four or five players high five, like give him high fives on his way walking after he marked it to kick it. So again, like clearly they're feeding into that energy too. And I, and I, th- I think it's because if you look at our list where, where the holes are, that is a hole. The secondary key, Ash talked about it in the, in the intro to Cozzy's spot, right? That secondary key forward target is one that hasn't been nailed down. The players know that. They know how important, even if Cozzy is just a placeholder until the next best option arrives, that's a harsh word, but you understand the point I'm trying to make. He is vitally important to making this team function and score a kicker winning score. And his confidence will dictate how far he can take that. I'm not sitting here going to try and tell you that Jacob Kaczynski is the second coming of Wayne Carey. But what I am going to say is today, the man kicked three straight. He had three contested marks. That's more than anybody else on the ground, but uh, Joey Danaher who had three as well. And he, he competed in the air every single time the ball came to him. So sure, he didn't have 20 touches and, um, you know, put himself about all over the park, but he did the job that we needed him to do and he did it incredibly well. And I mean, yeah, sure, we see you can talk about if he doesn't kick this, he did, right? Like black is not white. He did. He kicked He kicked those those goals. He took those marks. He impacted the game, like you said, in your to your credit, in a positive way. So you just want to see now him back that up next week, like you said, Weesey, and then build on this foundation. And let's see what he can be come round 23 at the end of the season. But before you jump back in, I just want to give him his rating. I gave him a seven and a half out of ten. So can I just ask? each of you like clearly there is a want for him to fulfill that role because there is a need for that role to be filled by that second big forward do you actually think and I know it's early days do you actually think he will make it in that role or is it more that you want him to succeed in that role I think he will. I don't know. The possession is nine tenths of the law, and the moment he's doing enough. Man, how he's twenty-two, right? And so we talk a lot about Denver Granger Barras and the need to give players time to develop, especially key position players. So I don't know why we're not affording that to Jacob Kaczynski. Um, 
And again, I think it's a confidence thing. I think if he starts feeling confident in his ability and feels like he belongs at the level, I think that's when he'll flourish. But at the moment, even just being a foil for Mitch Lewis and being able to to clear space for Mitch, I think that it's our forward, there's no coincidence that our forward line looks so much more functional when the two of them are in it. And I think Cozzy in there improves Mitch Lewis's game and I th- just as much as you know, Mitch improves Cozzy's game because um, he he was not in the side when Mitch Lewis was was not fit. He was in and out of the side. He was playing really poorly. So, number twenty eight is Cam McKenzie, the super sub, twelve disposals in quarter and a half of football. That would be uh, five kicks, seven handballs. He went at uh, he had four contested possessions. Amongst that, he had uh, three turnovers. He had four uncontested marks, 160 metres gained. He actually attended four centre bounce attendances once on the ground. He's a good player to come on uh, at that stage of the game. Clean, as fatigue starts to set in, he's he's clean. His decision-making is generally very sound. He's serving a lovely apprenticeship. I've written it. Uh, the old Hawthorne apprenticeship used to be three years in the reserves before he played senior footy. Now it's a few weeks or part of a season as a tactical sub, but it seems to be working for him so far. Yeah. And, and what a weapon to bring on, as you mentioned, Ash, like his calmness when he's in traffic, his ball use by foot. Um, you know, he, he did get, he did get pinned holding the ball, I think twice in the last quarter. One of them, I think he was absolutely set up. He had nowhere to go. And I think, <clears throat> you know, they're, 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 they're clearly trained as players not to bomb the ball forward where possible. And that was one of those ones where you should just make the split decision to to put the ball on the foot. Uh, he didn't because obviously they're told not to um, and he got he got pinged. but um, look, I thought he was I thought he was really he showed some real glimpses as to why he's going to be such an impressive young player. Um, you know, yeah, the just just the the demeanor that he has on the field, the way that he carries himself. Um, I, I can't also I also struggle watching him with his upright running style, so much Sam Mitchell in the way that he moves around the field. Um, and he also has those beautiful little pulled kicks that um that Sam Mitchell um perfected. I mean, he's got a long way to go before he, he um... he's anywhere near as good as his coach, but I had calls to walk past him in the rooms after the game. He's also big. He's tall. Yeah, I mean, he's one eighty-seven. That's, that's where he's got over Sam Mitchell. He's like, walk past. He's really he's big. Yeah, so no, he feels out. Yeah, yeah, no. Be, he's going to be a, 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 he's a beast of a man. Yeah, and he's and and if you have a look at the way the Hawks are building their midfield unit out, Connor McDonald's a. 185, 186, um, Cam McKenzie, 187, Will Day, 191, Josh Weddle, when he gets in there, 192, um, Connor Nash, 198, Henry Hathwaite, 194. Like these are big boys. There's no, you know, that's why. And then you can carry the, uh, the, the, not carry, um, you know, compensate with a bit of nippy speed of um, Dylan Moore. I'd like to see Tyler Brockman go in there one day um, just to give him a bit of X factor, but back on to Cam McKenzie. I, I just, I'm just really impressed with him. I, he doesn't really um, blow games 
away or blow games open like um, some of the other high-end draft picks that are there. But he's the sort of guy, he's like a foundational brick in your midfield. And he's one that you can count on for 200, 250 games. So um, I give him a six and a half out of 10. Uh, and I hope that next time we play, he can find a way to play um, a full game and not just come off the bench. Sam Button with seven disposals, four kicks, three handballs. A bit like Cozzy, this one mark, one tackle, but kicked two goals. He played entirely in the offensive half of the ground, 86% disposal efficiency, three contested possessions. He had um, three score involvements. He had, um, yeah, that's that's basically it for him. Uh, Sam Butler, tell us about him, Daz. Yeah, I, I, I love that goal that he kicked in the first quarter. He's been, you know, that he's got that in his in his arsenal, and he 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 really just, you know, I think he's got the opposite problem to Cosy in that he's just always confident and he plays with a sense of swagger. Um, that that belies his his young years and that will that will hold him in good stead through his AFL career. Um he stood up in a tackle as well in that first quarter. He was it was a really, really um tough and hard tackle and he stood up in it and I think retained retained possession, got the hand pass going and got us away again. So he's he's a tough customer as well. So um huge wraps on on Sammy Butler and yeah, he's he's keeping his place in the side and keeping a lot of really smart, um, promising young key forwards that are banging the door down at Box Hill um, out of the side. So, going to give him a six and a half. Okay, this player deserves next player deserves a bit of time to discuss because it was a great game. Connor McDonald, twenty eight disposals, thirteen and fifteen, three marks, one tackle, kick two goals, sixty four percent offensive half, seventy five percent disposal efficiency. Six contested possessions, three turnovers, two intercept possessions, 12 score involvements. That was the leader for the Hawks today. Uh, three goal assists, 444 metres gained, um, four inside 50s. I made the point in the recap in my observations that one of the disappointments of last season for Hawthorne was that a, a, a solid and steady debut season from McDonald. He never had that really breakout game that earned him a rising star nomination, but the body of work over his debut season suggests he probably should have got a, a rising star nomination. He entered this season ineligible for the award. Had he played a game like today, last year would have absolutely got that nomination. This was clearly, in my opinion, I want to know what you guys think, his best game for the football club. I thought he was wonderful and you know, from the first couple of games I saw him play, it looked to me like I said to people, I'll go to the footy with him. He'll be a 200-game player for Hawthorne without doubt. It took me two weeks to work that out. Today, I might have upped it up to 250 games. I thought he was fantastic today. Yeah, clearly, clearly his breakout game. And I, I won't do the rating because I think everyone will want to have something to say. We'll come back to the rating at the end. Because uh, I perfectly schemed to get get myself through to being the first to be able to speak about him, he was unbelievable today. He had nineteen pressure acts, which was um, our best behind James Warple. 
He had 12 score involvements. We had 23 scores for the game from memory. So he's involved in over half of all of our scores. So um, he's beautiful to watch with it. He applies pressure when needed up forward. He had that beautiful pass probably just in front of you guys, right? Uh, Who did he kick it to? Someone who took a mark on the boundary inside 50 up in front of the MCC members. Might have been Tyler Brockman. Um, And, you know, he converts. He's a beautiful finisher. He had one or two shanks um, and that's okay. It was clearly the best game that he's played. And, you know, I think the important thing is when we were seeing him as the sub throughout, you know, the middle part of the first half of this season, we've clearly as a group been frustrated on spaces, talking about it in review pods, talking about it. He should be playing full games of footy. He's good enough. He's part of the next premiership team playing he was just absolutely outstanding. Princey, did you want to add something about? Con? Yeah, I mean, I I just want to echo what you're what you were saying, uh, Weezy. I I thought you know we have we've been crying out for him to be a regular starter, and not only a regular starter, but play um, more midfield wing. And I think the the thing was today, he didn't play as a high half forward. He kicked goals, but he kicked them off a wing or through midfield. Um, and, you know, his second one was roving the pack from a from a stoppage. Um, but he was, he was just everywhere today. And his ability to find the footy like a midfielder, use the footy really well. That kick was to Tyler Brockman and it was beautiful. Um, but there was also a kick... Um, that he brought into inside um, to, to, to Jai Newcomb, who set up Mitch Lewis for a goal. And um, that kick, no one else saw that kick as being on except Connor McDonald, and he hit it perfectly. So um, he was just really, really, really impressive today. Um, I, I'm going to throw back to you in a minute, Wee, so you can give the rating. But um, that draft class... Those those three, when Ward comes back into this team, Connor McDonald and Sam Butler, um, that draft is going to go down for the Hawks as as a as a cracking draft. And if Jai Sarong can um, become a player as well, and possibly even Ned Long, then that after, that off season is just huge for the foundations of the next Premiership side. Yeah. So again, not oh, we got fair for Darren not to have. He's oh, saying this yes. in the Conor McDonald party. Con. con. Oh, can you say Con? Con. The man. The man. You con cannot man. say Con. Con the man. Uh, and it, yeah, I think I think that kick I, I wanted to talk about because that just typifies the the kind of elite vision that he has. He was so clean all day. He's got a beautiful set of hands that I talk about, I think most weeks. Um, so yeah, what more needs to be said? It was his breakout game and it's been coming. Okay. Rating and then we'll move on. Uh, he also had our third most meters game, which again, as a non-pure mid or someone taking the kick-ins, uh, was pretty impressive. Uh, I gave him a nine out of 10. 
Tyler Brockman, 17 disposals, four kicks, 13 handballs, six marks, including the long-awaited Specky. He's only been trying to take for the last three years at Hawthorne. Three tackles, kicked a point. Uh, he had 82% disposal efficiency. He had um, five contested possessions. He had five score involvements. He had 293 metres gained. He didn't have a centre bounce attendance, but when I look at his heat map, he much more played, and Danny and I talked about this during the game, he was much further up the ground than usual. The creep has started. They've decided that uh, Bruce and Butler would be sort of the small forwards primarily, and Brockman, I think, enjoyed having a bit of a run and you know venturing as far down as halfback to get the footy, and I thought it was a really promising game for him for what he means for the future, but then the thought did also cross my mind that uh, we haven't yet seen the signature, and uh, sometimes teams make some announcements over the buy period about players re-signing. Let's hope he is one of them. Daz. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to jump in here. Sorry. In. Um, yep. I I was uh, suitably suitably impressed by Tyler Brockman. I thought his game um, was, like you mentioned, Ash, and we talked about it during the game, a different one from what he's played in previous weeks. But it makes so much sense getting him up as close to the ball as you possibly can because everything he does, he does really well. He's clean. He, um, he handballs into space. Uh, into ongoing oncoming players. He, um, he kicks the ball beautifully. He only had four kicks today. Um, but yeah, he's just a beautiful mover, a beautiful user. Um, and you know, he's quite smart on the footy field. As so, well. so smart. A yep. Really good footy brain. Yeah. And you can see that the, they want to get him involved because when he gets involved, good things happen. Um, and yeah, I look, the hanger was great. Uh, more of that, please. Um, I've noticed he's growing his hair out a little bit. When you stand, look at him from behind now, he looks a heck of a lot like Cyril Rioli did. Um, and um, yeah, that just brought back memories and emotions that I forgot I had. Um, but yeah, no, I was really impressed with Brocky. I, would have liked him to kick a goal or two just to cap off what would have been a really good performance. But anytime your small forward's getting 17 touches, um, you've got to be pretty happy with that that output. So uh, he's going to get a 7.5 out of 10 for me. It was actually the best game he's played in Melbourne this year as well. Very good point. He hasn't really performed in this state very well, has he? Um, <laughs> I, I really thought his uh, his kick at goal, he hit, he hit the post and I thought that was going in too. I was, I was just about off my seat. Um, it's a shame that one cannoned into the post. James Blank, four disposal, three kicks, one handball, two marks, two tackles. Uh, let's face it, his job isn't what he does with the ball. It's what he does without the ball. He did have one score involvement, though. Um, <laughs> minus 12 metres gain. I don't know how that happens, but he, can someone explain to me how you go? Minus... Lateral, lateral kicking. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Um, but... I thought he did his job today. I don't, uh, I'm not quite sure who was on Hipwood. But I thought Blank halved a lot of contests today. He looked pretty uh, confident around the ground. Obviously buoyed by the fact that Everton avoided relegation. He played one of his best games for the season. Oh, uh, well, we were joking in the chat that that is contractually um, obliged to, to come up every time James <laughs> Blank comes up. Then we both go for Everton. So I guess it's my duty as a as a fellow to, fellow toffee 
to review James Blank's performance. I, I, I think they rotate a lot on. Do you both go for Everton? <laughs> yep, we do. Um, and I, and I think, I think there was quite a, a bit of a rotational policy there in terms of um, who is who is on what key forward for the Lions, but he played at times on Dan Hur, who didn't really have much of an impact, and I think he contested really well. I don't think he was ever really beaten um, through the game. Someone will probably dig up a time that he was beaten now, but um, yeah, it, it, it's it's hard to see him coming out of the side either. So in terms of where he's at in his development, I think he's he's going really well. And today I looked at it and I thought, like he's he's actually staking his claim to be our long term fullback. And I'll I'll fight you fight you if you if you disagree. Because I think I think he's got the physicality. He actually uses the ball really well. He contests really well. He doesn't. He rarely loses a contest, and he's going to be an absolute beast in three or four years. So, great game from James Blank. I'm going to give him a seven. The next player is fast becoming a fan favourite of Hawthorne supporters who just think great things are going to happen every time he gets the ball. His name is Josh Weddle, 18 disposals, 9 and 9, 5 marks. He had 6 contested possessions, 2 turnovers, 6 intercept possessions, 4 score involvements, 344 metres gained, uh, 1 percenter. Um He's played some better games, but I just think he, with every passing game we see, he looks like a league footballer. Absolutely. I I feel like he faded out of the game. I thought he was very noticeable early and I seem to, you know, I think the confidence, he's already got the confidence to be running, um, trying to break lines, um, and create play. Um, and I agree completely. I think compared to, you know, his huge body of work so far, it wasn't one of his better games. Um, but like the number of times he would just go near it and all you're thinking is star, like he's going to be a star. And I think I joked, I joked last week about, um, about my mate who talks about whether Cam McKenzie's already uh, a clearly better footballer than Josh Ward, which is an absurd conversation given their age and how many games they've played. And I, again, today found myself turning to him and saying there could be someone who's even better, you know, like, like uh, again, this, this could be the greatest move in a long time for us on draft night, especially with the um, needing to give up picks for Will McCabe. So yeah, um, not a brilliant game, but he looked fantastic. Um, So I've given him a six out of 10 for today. Uh, I was in the media center at halftime today, getting a coffee and a grade of the football club. There are a lot of greats at the Hawthorne Football Club in the media centre today. One of them said to me, still a bit weak below his knees, but I really like what I serve him. So we shall see. But clearly the fans love him. There's great ripples of excitement every time he gets the ball in a little bit of space. And the, the other beauty of him is 
I don't think anyone truly knows where his position is going to be. Like, is he going to end up on the wing? Is he going to be a back flanker? I mentioned centre-half back. Someone on, on Twitter talked about maybe he'll be our, he'll become our centre-half forward if he keeps growing. Like, like, actually, who knows at the moment? And that's probably the beauty of him with his development. Like, he's going to be able to fulfil uh, multiple roles. Uh, and we're yet to see what his best role is going to be. So that's very exciting. Last time to discuss is Seamus Mitchell. Stand by for a question without notice on Seamus Mitchell. 21 disposals, 9 and 12, 4 marks. 90% disposal efficiency, 5 contested possessions, uh, 1 turnover, 3 intercept possessions, 5 score involvements. 321 metres gained. Um, tell me about his game, Darren, and then I'll got a question for the three of you. Yeah, well, I think he's a, another player that you, you, you... I think Danny really wanted to talk about him. Didn't you? <laughs> um, I'll throw to you in a sec, Danny. But yeah, I, I think he's a player that's... Um, you, you, you really notice him when he's come out of the side and and that says a lot about a player that's only played eight games. Um, he made a notable difference coming back into this team and gives us so much run and energy off that half back. He's, he's gelling really well with his teammates. He's looking like he belongs. And, you know, I, I think I was definitely one of the people that that didn't see it coming with, with Seamus um, uses the footy beautifully um, Danny, I'd love your thoughts just given given your interview with him that was published on Hawks Insiders earlier this week. Yeah, I, what I love about, I mean, I love a lot of things about Seamus um, and um, keep an eye out for the Seamus Mitchell interview podcast that'll come out um, fairly soon too. Shameless plug. Um, but what I really, really Shame, like about- Shameless plug. Shameless plug. plug. A shameless plug. Shamey plug. Um, is that he is one of the players that we look to get involved in any slingshot out of our back out of our back fifty? Um, he gets it and he goes. It's him and Weddle. And if you think about that, you know that that's actually um, fairly incredible. That two guys that have played less than ten games of football each are the ones that are tasked with the run and carry off the halfback line, and Jarman Impey as well. Um, but what I really like about it is that unlike when um, Sam Frost or CJ are doing it, it doesn't feel chaotic and like it could be turned over at any time. It's really controlled and classy ball use and it's and ball movement. And um, and and Mitchell, Mitchell's got a, a lot of confidence. He chatted with us really briefly. I don't want to give too much of a uh, too much of it away, but he lost a lot of that self-belief in his first couple of years because of injury and not inability to get his body right. That self-belief has really come back for you. You can see it in the way that he plays because he's um, leaning on those weapons, those tools that he has to impact a game. And that um, there's there was one kick, I think it's in the last quarter, where he kicked the ball. It was like a 25 meter kick from the back pocket on the left-hand side on our side, Ash, inside, over, in between three Lions players. 
And if he didn't hit that kick, they were they were turning that over and kicking goal. And he absolutely nailed it. And it was just a really it was a really ballsy kick. And I love that from a kid that's played less than eight games, who's on our rookie list at the moment, who's you know keeping um, other senior players out of the out of the side. So um, yeah, just big big props to Seamus Mitchell. I. Um, you know, I, th- I think he's just doing himself incredibly proud and, uh, yeah, just doing a fantastic job cementing himself in the side. So here's a question without notice. To me, he's an upgrade on CJ, more reliable player than CJ. Would you entertain an offer for CJ based on the fact that Seamus is at the moment shaping up as a better player than him? Uh, it's a tough question. Personally, I, I'm I'm a big CJ fan. Um, probably I mean, Mark in Parliament Hawthorne would burn <clears> down at the stand at Waverley. Yeah, he's the most popular player with the supporters. But from a pure football point of view, given Hawthorne have needs elsewhere in the ground, I understand. If, yeah, if Hawthorne could find the player that they need in a position of need, but it required getting C, moving CJ on, given that Mitchell is playing as well as he has, would you entertain it? I want to hear from all three. Yeah, I'll look. I'll start, um, but I might be in the minority. I I don't think I would, um, and and purely because I think you need to have depth. Now we have uh, a truckload of halfback flanks, hot sort of hybrid players. Um, I think CJ and Seamus play similar but but different roles. Um, CJ more like 186, 187, um, a lot better at the intercept marking side of things. Seamus Mitchell more of a small, um, you know, he played most of today's game on Charlie Cameron and did a pretty good job on him. Um, I think the other week against the Saints, he played on Jack Higgins um, and, you know, um, plays that real small small defender role really well. So I think I can see space and an opportunity for both of those players to play in the side. I'd actually like to see CJ moved up onto a wing, but that's another story. Um, but, but Mitchell's Mitchell. I don't know if he makes CJ redundant. That's probably all I say. So for me, I'd probably keep both of them and, and have a bit of um, strength in depth in that area. Uh, for me, Okay, oh, Daz. Oh no, I would, ne- I would never, I would never get rid of CJ. I, I, I love him too much, and I, th- I think, I agree with Prinzi. I think it, Mitchell may need to look at his position and and, and where he's uh, of greatest impact. Maybe it's maybe it's a wing. Um, maybe you know, maybe there's other places on the ground that he can play and be his damaging best. I think he's got to get a a run at it. I think he's sim- similar to Will Day, just cannot get his body right. And I think that's really impacting uh, his performances as well when he's constantly in and out of the side. So whether that happens at Box Hill for a few games and he proves his fitness or he just goes and has a, a cracking preseason and and, and get, gets those little niggles out of his game, I still see a lot of potential upside in, in CJ and keeping him in the side. Uh, I probably shift in the other direction because uh, we all know, right, that I'm the one who doesn't give everyone enough time based on the cosy conversation. No, no, I think he turns 24 on Tuesday, CJ. So, uh, I mean, I think he's in that next bracket of player age-wise. And 
I'm personally still not convinced. So I am not, I'm not going out of my way to sell him because I think that depth conversation is absolutely um, valid and is there. But Ash, your question was if someone came offering something where it was fulfilling a role in the team that we need that would guarantee plug a hole and or someone came with a sweetheart draft pick that assisted with what we're going to do with our pick, what will our first pick be this year, like pick seven? Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, just, just uh, you, know, you know, the pick three, Will McCabe, but if there's if getting further up is going to help us um, and it was going to assist in what they wanted to do, um, if, if someone's coming with a player, I think you absolutely have to entertain it. Doesn't suggest that you get rid of him, but uh, he would be much further down the pecking order for me than three or four of those others in that role. What about you, Ash? Uh, I would consider it for the writer. If, if you'd still get, you'd have good draft currency, CJ. He'd be a, probably a high second round. You'd probably get a early second round pick for him. Um, so you'd have to think about it if it was going to fill it. If, if all, I mean, the keys of McCabe, if McCabe has a great championships and suddenly he's a top 15 player, they might have to do a bit of fancy work to to be able to get here. I know Danny's uh, wheelhouse, and we'll talk about this plenty uh, between now and uh, November. But if the if it's going to help, if if they need to do a bit of extra work to get McCabe, someone is going to be someone. Someone this team's got Sam Mitchell is he's a hard bastard. He's got toe cutting tendencies. He's had that as a player. Somebody will be traded out of this team that we don't expect in the next, at the end of this trade period, the next trade period, someone will go to help Mitchell get the team he needs. And if I was framing a market for that person at the moment to be the one we just shit didn't see, didn't see that one coming, I would have CJ at the, close to the top of the list. And I think his chaos lets the team down. At the time. And I love CJ as well. I love everything he brings. I think his story is magnificent. But the chaos brings Hawthorne undone at times. You know, he's and this year, I mean, his turnovers this year um, in games have been have hurt the team. Mitchell, Shaius Mitchell does everything with a bit less flash, a bit less panache than CJ, but it's just so, the efficiency and the levels of consistency are terrific. So, if you're asking me that CJ at his best is a better player than Shaius Mitchell, but I think the consistency we're getting out of Shaius Mitchell is quite incredible. I'd like to see them try one or one of them both have a run on the wing at some stage before you make before you pull that trigger. There's gonna to have to be some experimentation at some stage. Get them both on the side, put one on down back and one on the wing and see how it goes. But mm-hmm. there will be some chaos. There's something unforeseen is gonna happen as Mitchell puts this list together. They're amassing some young talent, but a bit like GWS over the journey. They might have to get rid of some a bit of that talent to to feel a shortfall elsewhere in the ground. That's all I'm saying. Uh, it's hard to argue with that, Ash, because I think talking of chaos, it, it really felt like a without CJ and Frost in the team, it just feels a lot more settled and a lot less rogue. Um, calm. It was calm. It was calm. There's, yeah. a, there's a calmness to the way that Seamus plays. 
calmness to the way that Weddle plays. You know that they, they take risks, and and that 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 it always seems to be a lot more measured than, you know, when you when you've got the the dual chaos of CJ and Frost in the back line, um, you know, and 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 Chad up front as well. Um, you know, it, it's 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 noticeable. Yeah, it is. They've got some. Uh, it's it's fascinating to see what they do. Um, CJ will get his looks. I think CJ will come up through Box Hill now. I think he's sort of been out of the team for too long, and the team's playing too well. So he'll have to go down to Box Hill, Box Hill City Oval, and share a share a lift with Chad and with Josh Ward, and get used to playing in front of 150 people and uh, get his form back. I thought it was five people. I said 50 before. It's 50, 50, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I left off for one. Sorry, and Ed, still, if you're listening, um, I'm looking forward to come down a game soon and prove me wrong and, and what a great day out it is. I was just going to say, what we have seen, what we have seen with Cam McKenzie, with Josh Ward, with Connor McDonald, with Jack Scrimshaw, is the rotation like the rotations on and I don't think any of us really could pick who's going to be playing the next 13 matches or 10 matches or whatever it is. 13, are they making the finals? Oh. Are they going to play? Make the finals? <laughs> yeah, just uh, what, what that was round 13, wasn't it? Grand final. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's slipping by. No, what are there? 10 matches, 11 matches left. 23 rounds this yeah. year, maybe. So 11 more games to play or 10 more games with the bye, okay? Um, whatever it is, we don't know. Like none of us can guess and clearly they've they've got in their minds what they want to do from a development point of view. So we can hypothesise about who should be coming up onto the wing, whether Connor McDonald should be playing every game for the rest of the season, We've talked about blank playing every game. We talk about getting games into DGB. Same thing goes with CJ and Chad and whoever it is. Like they've clearly got their plan. And no, Ash, you mentioned earlier about um, about Peter Burge, um, and like that. That's the interesting thing to me. When we spoke to Seamus, he talked about Peter Burge. Um, he seems to have made such the an impact. Best recruit at the club. Such an impact. So if he only wants Ward playing six full games of the last 10 or whatever it is, if he wants Cam McKenzie playing five more of them as sub, like what we've got now, where we're at from where we started at the start of the season we we've got no other option but to put full faith in what they're doing because it's working and it's exciting and you back them in. So there'll be rotations galore, I'm sure. All right. We're going to finish on that note because we are venturing into spaces territory. And uh, this is what we talk about in between games. So this conversation will continue. We're actually hoping to have a senior member of the football department on a special podcast before too long. And these questions will also be floated to that person. So we are going to wrap up the podcast. Danny, last quick word. Yeah, one one more, just a special shout out to Sam Mitchell. I thought he outcoached Chris Fagan incredibly well um, this afternoon. The, the handball happy Hawks 
um, really broke open the game in the second half, especially. I thought the way that they, um, you know, picked up the ball on one side in the in the back pocket, transitioned and just slung it out out the other side. I think um, really caused Brisbane Lions some uh, some real headaches, and uh, we didn't win the stoppages. Uh, we didn't win the clearances this week, so we had to rely on other things to get the win. And I think that that's indicative of Sam Mitchell's great coaching this afternoon. So I just want to give him a shout out too. Okay. For when he's listening. <laughs> yeah, not sure. Um, thanks, everyone, for your time. This has been a lengthy pod, but I think one that everyone will savour and enjoy, given it was a great day at the footy. We didn't do a spaces last week. We want to apologise for that, but we might have to come back, I think, this Wednesday if we can get the numbers. Just keep a look at on our Twitter account. We'll let you know quite soon whether we... We were planning to take bye week off, but given we missed last week, we might just come back this week. So uh, plenty to talk about, I think, to continue the discussion we just had with, uh, I think Brad will have some uh, views on that as well, so which are always worth listening to. We've got a bit coming up anyway. We've got our mid-season review articles, which we will be starting as the Hawks take down tools and have a well and break for a few days. Shane Mitchell podcast to come. Uh, I think Will Day is coming up as well. We'll do another Will Day conversation. A uh, friend of us at Hawks Insiders, look out for that in your inbox in the next few days as well. So lots to look forward to from your best home of brown and gold content on the internet. Thanks for supporting the Substack. $5 a month, $50 a year for great Hawthorne content. Uh, this has been a load of fun. Any last minute housekeeping was you before we finish up? No, just I think um, uh, congrats should go to you for the longest podcast in Hawks Insiders history. <laughs> Yes, well, it was, uh, well, as I said, if we ever do a long podcast, that was it. There will be other days when we want to wrap up in 45 minutes. Uh, it has been lovely being back, the four of us. It has been lovely. Yes, thanks everyone for your good time, which is with my uh, daughter's engagement as well, which is very exciting around here. And I not only am I gaining a future son-in-law, Hawthorne is gaining another supporter because he's a Kiwi. Uh, until now, unaffiliated, but uh, I'm indoctrinating him to all matters brown and gold thanks everyone for listening lots of great content to come on hawks insiders thank you everyone uh thank you for giving me saturday nights gentlemen to record this we will talk to you again very soon on the hawks insiders thanks and enjoy the rest of your weekend thanks so much for listening to hawks insiders head to our sub stack for more quality analysis special features news interviews and so much more.